Welcome to the 4th Down Experience, the podcast devoted to special teams. Your host of the 4th Down Experience, former pro free agent, nine-year professional kicking coach out of the Midwest, Coach Chris Hughesby. Alongside Coach Chris Hughesby is a former two-time Arena Bowl champ, nine-year pro kicking coach, rep in the South, Coach Brian Jackson. DE Nation, what's up? Brian Jackson here along with Chris Hughesby. I'm excited because we're going back to the arena. We have another arena kicker here on the line. He's actually had a couple private workouts with NFL teams such as the 49ers and the Bears. And uh, he is a veteran in the arena leagues. Currently um, with the IFL's San Diego Strike Force team right now. Um, but he's been on several AFL teams. We're excited to, to talk to Ernesto. Ernesto Lacayo, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me on. Hey, Good what's up? Guys. Yeah, what's up, Ernesto? Thanks for being on the 4th Down Experience podcast. Excited to have you on. been following your career for, for you. years, and uh, we had the opportunity to meet you about a month ago out in San Diego, and that was uh, that was really fun. Yeah, great to see you guys there. I'm glad you guys were able to come, uh, come down. Yeah, you know, Ernesto and I have a pass. We um, got to play against each other, uh, what was it, like 2013? 2013, yeah. Yeah, nice. And, uh, you know, 4D Nation, you guys know, we're kind of on a string here of arena kickers. and um, You guys got to hear Adrian last week. And, and so, basically, uh, I met Adrian in 2013 as well. I, I didn't know that, Ernesto. I totally forgot. We actually, that's where we met was a, a, a workout with the Utah Blaze. I don't know why I, in my head I was wanting to go to Utah because I was married you know living in alabama but that's where we met man so um it's just been nice to see your career man you played with a lot of afl teams but kind of talk about that ernesto kind of talk about uh where you played college ball at and and kind of your career in the afl so everyone um can just know your story a little bit yeah of course i mean uh you know it all started at uh, hastings college uh in nebraska i played two years there i was offered a full ride scholarship in 2009 I was able to play there. It was a great atmosphere. Loved everything about Hastings College in the NIA division. I uh, was very thankful to be able to break all the schools of records, and it's what an honor there. And I'm, right now, I'm on the top ten finalists for the Hall of Fame there. So hopefully, you know, the cause to get going there. And uh, after uh, 2011, I went undrafted. There, I went to play my first IFL team for the Nebraska Danger, and I was the first kicker in there. The franchise history, and uh, it was quite a, a change because coming from the outdoor games going to the indoor game, it was quite a, an adjustment that as a young man I wasn't ready for. And what I felt wasn't a great year. Other people would think that it was, you know, an okay year. It was something that I needed to adjust. And if I wanted to become great at what I wanted to do and perfect my craft, I needed to go back to the lab, work on the fundamentals of small things there, and, and make sure I keep pushing forward. Uh, from there on, I went to the PIFL, which I uh, played for the Louisiana teams, where I met you, Jackson, and you're playing for the Alabama Hammers, which to this day, I always tell people it was quite an honor, because I knew who you were, and I was always watching what you did. And so, going from there, went to the Wichita team from 2014 uh, to 15, and uh, that, that organization there in the CIF, or CPIFL at the time, 
was uh, what kind of rejuvenated my career, giving me a lot of opportunity for breaking the field goal record. Uh, I believe it was 32 tables in the year, and just being able to win a championship. And fun fact, it's the only it's the only team or franchise I've ever been a part of where I've actually had a successful season with the team and actually won a championship. Um, yep. After that, I was picked up by the Las Vegas Outlaws in the AFL in 2015. Um, which I was able to do a great job there, finish in the top top three there. And then I got uh, signed for one day in 2016 uh, with the San Jose Sabercats. They had just won the championship, and the next day they folded. So I was oh, put ooh, into a dispersal draft. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I was put into a dispersal draft, which I had no idea about. <laughs> and sure enough, in the morning, I was told uh, San Jose folded. Later in the afternoon, I was told I was drafted by the Portland Thunder at the time. <laughs> yeah. So I was excited. Sure, I'll go to Portland, the ASL. And then uh, two days later, I was told uh, the Portland Thunder was no longer the Portland Thunder. They were now called the Portland Steel. So uh, it was quite an adjustment before even the season even started. Played there. And then from there, I pursued uh, the next two years and trying to, you know, make it to the NFL, having workouts with the Niners and the Chicago Bears. Uh, it was a great experience being able to work with John Carney, and you know, I work with him on a daily basis. And uh, this year, I was just, you know, I figured, you know, I started in the IFL. Why not, you know, go back to where it all began? You know, I've always enjoyed the arena game and. Uh, the competition at the same time, how difficult it was, and the adrenaline rush that I got as a, as a place kicker there. And uh, that's been pretty much my career, and uh, rumors are right now I might be making a jump back to the AFL, depending on uh, the guys uh, continuing the way they go, but we'll see what happens. It, it almost seems like the arena football life is like uh, like AAA baseball. You know, you're kind of moving around to the right. different levels and then you're just waiting for your opportunity to open up at the at the big leagues, you know. Yeah, and, and it's it's been quite a, you know an amazing journey. I, you know, it's it's one of those things that people really don't know much about arena football unless they tap into it, but you know, it's it's given me the opportunity to play in so many states, meet so many other great kickers, uh, at the same time, other stadiums and different places and uh, quite a blessing it's been. So I've always enjoyed it and, you know, to I always tell young kickers if they want to give it a shot, you know, it's not as easy, but enjoy the process as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, kickers that are new to this, Ernesto, when, when they come in, you know, we, we've seen some young bucks that we've seen on Instagram and, and they're getting their shots, mm -hmm. which is, which is great. And then, then they get shocked when they, when they miss their first pad or, <laughs> or go seven for nine. And they're, I think the world just ended, you know, maybe right. um, if you're, if you're talking to a 23 year old or even, even an eighteen-year-old or a sixteen-year-old that, that sees they see all these leagues now with social media, how active it is compared to six years ago. You know, what is some advice that you'd give these guys going into it? One of the biggest advice that I always give a lot of young guys. One of my uh, uh, my students is Diego Marquez, who's playing right now for the Nebraska Danger. One thing I've always told him, you know, you have to really focus on the fundamentals of your craft of your style. Because everyone's style from the outdoor game to the indoor game is completely different. If uh, guys were to watch me kick outside, I have a very different swing as opposed to kicking inside. And that's just the adjustment you make because not only the environment that you're in, but also the type of ball you're kicking. 
Um, some guys don't realize that the AFL ball is a leather ball. And as opposed to the indoor football league, it's a composite ball, and the ball flight's a little bit different depending on your leg swing. Um, but I always tell them, you know, just make sure you really hone down and understand your style, understand, you know, you know, all the little intricacies that, that go with in kicking. Because, you know, we all, when we're younger, we're just, you line up, you kick it, did it go in or didn't? And if someone asks us, how did that feel? Most of the time, guys are like, well, not really sure, I just kicked the ball. So, it's just going into the science of that, it's the biggest advice I always give younger younger kickers. Yeah. So, as they're, you know, oftentimes you see guys who are aspiring for the NFL, you know, they want a chance to play somewhere, so they choose the arena leagues. Uh, I guess a two-part question, what are some challenges that you have found being in arena football that they could ex- that they could kind of learn from? And then my second part would be, how do you balance aspiring for the NFL, training for it, and then also training for arena football? Well, to the first question, I mean, one of the biggest things as far as challenges there is being able to understand that there is a, there is a difference between, uh, you know, being very disciplined and then being very good at what you do because... We, you know, we're younger, we're very good at what we're doing, that's the reason why we get to where we get to, but then the discipline that comes with being able to do it on a consistent basis, on a very fast uh, pace, because as, as you know, Jackson, you know, for us kickers in the arena game, kicking, you can kick an extra point and kick off, suddenly within a minute or two, or a minute or less, I should say, you're back out there again, so you don't have the time to really process the, you know, the miss that you just had or the make you had, you have to make sure you move on quickly uh, to the next play and making sure you make those adjustments that you need to make. Or if you had a great kick, you have to be able to forget about it and not live in that moment anymore. And that's one thing that's always helped me out throughout my career and watching other great successful arena kickers. That's what I feel that they've always done. So that's why I was able to apply it. And uh, what was your second question again? So... If you're still aspiring for the NFL, how do you right. balance training for the NFL versus preparing for arena? Well, I mean, over the last few years, when I when I left the arena game for a little bit, for, for two years, um, and training with John, the one thing that I realized and, and helped me mentally was that I didn't make the outdoor game hard. I made sure that it was easier for me because what people don't understand is that the outdoor game is like, oh, if I go indoor, it should be easy. And it's quite the opposite. And that's why I always get asked even every single day when I go out there and kick with the guys outside, they're like, so how is the adjustment? Is it harder? Is it easier? I'm like, kicking outside is much easier. And it's just a matter of going back to your, your weight training, uh, your discipline, and being able to, you know, make those adjustments and just flip it on and off between the indoor and outdoor game and understanding that you have two different types of swings. Um, and that, that's what's always really helped me out in the last few years in the preparation. Um, and it's being smart. The thing is, when I was younger, you know, you, you try to do way too many things at once or lift too much, and you, you, you have these injuries that kind of, you know, kind of set you back. And in reality, a lot of us, we have to understand that we don't have that time to get setbacks. We have to be smart. We have to be able to be like a sponge and listen to the veterans, listen to guys who have been there, and be able to make those adjustments to what we do on a routine basis in order to survive and at the same time strive for the NFL. 
Oh, that's right, awesome. You know, and, and it's interesting because, you know, obviously you have the experience in, in the AFL and, and there's a there's a high percentage chance that you'll be kicking in the AFL again this season, um, just a matter of time and, and also what's appropriate for you and what you want, you know, which team you'd like to go play for. Because I know that was one of the reasons too, because you did have some opportunities early on. So I can't wait to see what happens there. But um, in talking to Adrian last week, you know, we, we talked about how Coach Keith likes for him to be able to, to be a, an extra, you know, basically an eighth coverage man running downfield. You know, after he hits the ball and he finishes his hurdles, he's, he's sprinting down. Um, you know, in the IFL, if you kick it out, out the back of the end zone and, and over top, they get the ball out around the 20. So, you know, what's, you know, I know, I know you've had some, some lingering hand injuries and whatnot, but you're leading, you're leading the league in, in tackles for kickers. And the IFL, you know, so what's, you know, you, you know, what's the balance there on making sure you don't get yourself hurt so you're, you're still getting a paycheck, um, but also right. making sure your head coach is happy with you? Well, I mean, uh, what most people don't know is that my background, I played uh, safety from high school and even in college. And so I still, unfortunately, have that mentality still that playing safety, but uh, it goes to your weight training and understanding if you uh, know how to do this as far as the tackling job and being smart, picking the right battles. When I was younger at 170 pounds, uh, I was picking battles with guys who are 225 and up. It's not smart. You have to make yourself, uh, <laughs> make it, you know, you see a guy that's 240 coming at you. At that moment, you got to make a business decision at that point. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, uh, me breaking my head about a month ago, uh, you were like, was on a tackle? I'm like, you know, it was halfway a tackle but then you know my hand hit the wall obviously we know the wall is undefeated yeah so um <laughs> but you know coaches uh, i've been in a lot of organizations where coaches are like you know what i don't want you to make a tackle i want you to keep the ball and run off the field you know i was never about that i've always wanted to try to my position and also show that us kickers are great athletes at the same time if we know what we're doing and we've taken care of business in the weight room and also you know field training as far as tackling drills you know we we don't have those type of injuries and we absolutely help the team out it's always a respect thing um especially the arena game there's such a high turnover of kickers teams never really have an opportunity to get to know the kickers it is such a big turnaround so when you start making tackles and being part of the team you know it helps out as far as your credibility and and respect yeah i bet hey i'm uh i'm curious you've been around the game for a while are there current kickers or former kickers you look up to in the in the arena league? Oh yeah, oh of course. Uh, uh, you're one of them. I remember I was telling the, the kids that when you were here, you're one of them. Guys who I looked up, there are former uh, uh, arena kickers. You know, Nick Bertweet, Taylor Rowan. Um, what's another good kicker? Carlos Martinez. I remember him. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a kicker. What was his name? He had a half an arm, and he played for the San Jose Sabercats back Gatto. Nick Gatto. Yes, yes, that, yes, that, that guy. Um, just watching, you know, you guys, the way you guys, you know, you warm up in your teams, that was one of the big things that also helped me out playing against a couple of you guys and seeing him on TV. I was always able to at least watch your guys' routine, the way you guys walk into the field, the amount of kicks. When I was younger, I, I thought kicking 100 balls or 200 balls before the game was a smart thing to do and it was it was very dumb when i started noticing that veterans were like huh they just kick only 10 balls and that's it 
interesting. So then, you know, start picking each other's brains as far as, you know, making every every ball, you know, count. So it's all about the quality, not the quantity. Um, some current kickers that I actually love to follow right now, you know, Adrian's a good friend of mine. Uh, we both kick a, a lot with each other. Um, I like uh, in the arena games, I would have to say, I, I love watching Dalton Hall. I think it's incredible for him to do what he does uh, for his way. I'm not sure sometimes if he's a lineman or a kicker. But I'm like, yeah, I would not want to go ahead up with him. That's for sure. I might lose that battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, another good kicker who just came out of retirement is uh, Parker Douglas for the Sioux Falls Storm. I mean, he's been around for a long time. Nice. Um, so he just came out of retirement for the Sioux Falls Storm. And I'm uh, looking forward to seeing him again. I haven't seen him since 2011, actually. So. Wow. And he's still doing his thing. He's kind of one of those guys that, you know, he can go work a couple of years and they're like, hey, you want to kick again? And then sure enough, he's doing a <laughs> great job. So, <laughs> yeah. Guys like that, you know, it's, it's always been fun to be around and see those guys um, because if we don't mention it, a lot of guys in the outdoor game don't know who these guys, these guys are. So it's always great to be able to acknowledge some of the legends of the game and, and just just make sure the world knows about it because, as, as we know, uh, being arena or indoor kicker, you got to be a little nuts. I always tell them, the young kids, you got to be a little nuts to do that job and be successful because if you don't lose your mind at, at one point in your career, yeah. you're doing something wrong. So, yeah. You know, that was the toughest part in my younger years was uh, dwelling too much on, on the numbers each game and, mm-hmm. and worrying about being first every you know, checking everyone else's stats every week, and I just got caught. Me personally, just got caught up too much in the numbers. And by the time you had met, you know, you had met me. We had met each other in 2013. I was already on year five, so and I was working a regular job. So at that point, my thoughts were, well, if I get if I get cut from the arena leagues, I have my regular job. So there, there really isn't a whole lot of pressure here. So you know, I Probably. think that 2013 season, even though it was the PIFL. An extra point is an extra point from 18 yards on nine feet. Mm-hmm. You know, that was when I went 78 for 81. So that was, I credit a lot of that just because I wasn't, I wasn't worried about my stats as much. And then, you know, as, as right. the season went on, that's when I was like, man, I'm, you know, I am having a pretty good year here. And, but um, I think that's one thing that, you know, you and I talked about in San Diego mm-hmm. a month ago is just, you know, not, not worrying and thinking negatively you know, as soon as you miss that path that your percentage is, is at a certain spot and, and now you're screwed the rest of the season, and that's that's where guys go wrong. Agreed. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, uh, uh, when I was younger, you know, only just sticking to just the game and you're always focusing on numbers, you know, you were not as cons- – I mean, I wasn't as consistent. And then, you know, I get the last few years where I have a job or two jobs you know, or, you know, I, I eliminate a lot of distractions, you know, it just helped out. I never really thought about numbers to this day. Guys don't remind me what my stats are. I'm like, oh, well, that's great. I mean, you know, as long as we're winning, unfortunately we're not winning, but then they're telling me you're doing a great job so far. I'm like, yeah, just don't think about it. You know, if you, you start thinking in the number game, you don't improve there. You don't, you know, humble yourself down. And, and that's one thing I've learned throughout the years. I'm like, you know what? The numbers, if they're there at the end of the year, great. As long as I make sure I do my job at the end of the night, I feel great. We're good. Well, I'll just say this, Ernesto, without doing that type of thing. I've been surfing on the IFL website as we interview, and you're having a solid season, so congratulations so far. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. So yeah, I remember when we when we were out there a month ago, and you know we brought eight kickers out there with us, and a few of them we had never, Chris and I had never met before, but we knew a majority of those guys. Even even the guys that were training with Carney, everyone was just like, "There's Ernesto again, just piping them straight as an arrow." You know, it's almost like <laughs> what what we observed. You know, those couple times that we saw you kick and. They, they have been like, you know, this is what he does every day. And, and our guys are just like, he's the best kicker there, man. Why isn't he in the league? And, you know, we were just like, well, it's just a matter of timing, you know, opportunity and preparation and all that. So, um, what right. are, are you 30 right now, Ernesto? I just turned 30 on Sunday. Just turned 30. Welcome to the nice. club. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Hit the 30s. Nice. You're, you're in yeah. good shape. Um, talk, talk about being a jab kicker. Versus a two-step kicker, um, you have a very solid routine, and I hope all the kickers that are listening right now go follow Lacayo underscore eighty nine, and you can just type in Ernesto Lacayo, they'll find him. Um, talk about your your progression to the ball and and why you think that works, because I've always really liked how everything is the exact same. Just kind of talk about it. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, my my style has changed a, a lot, at least three times throughout from high school to college to my you know to professional life. And that all happened basically just observing other kickers. One, uh, two kickers that I observed, um, and they weren't current kickers in, in you know the times where I was in high school. There were kickers I watched in the eighties. Um, there were kickers like uh, Ray Wershing, uh, kickers uh, Rafael Septian from the Dallas Cowboys, and then one current kicker that I actually watched that I enjoyed watching was Joe Nedney. That was nice. That was uh, always have and that they were always good solid strikers at the same time their steps were always the same and I noticed that when I was in college I couldn't tell you if my steps were the same I just can tell you it's going in or, or not and so that's one thing I, I made sure that I went on the internet at the time I would read you know things that they would say about their technique and one thing that they were always talking about was their 90 degree angle and their line and going through the ball and it wasn't until I got to work with Joe Nenny for six years where he was really, really all about not necessarily kicking the ball, but making sure my steps were always the same on a 90-degree angle and that my jab step was never too long. It was always a small jab step because he was more of a two-step, but he was 6'5", and I'm 5'8", three-quarters, and he was like, you know what, let's incorporate that jab step, make sure it's always very small and it's consistent with your power step and getting to the ball. So it was one of those things that he made me do over and over again. I mean, there was a time where he spent a month literally coming uh, twice a week, uh, about 30-minute drive, and we would just spend hours, four-hour sessions, and just literally without the ball, just working the line, working the line. And as a young kicker, you get frustrated, you just want to kick and bang the ball, but then you realize, and then you put the ball in play, and he's, he's like, there it is. And it's always helped out just being able to be disciplined on my steps, make sure they're the same every single time. And one thing that people don't know is that 2011, I almost lost my left eye. So people really don't understand that I, I only have one good eye. And that's like a fun fact people don't know. I'm like, yeah, I haven't passed my eye exam since 2011. And so I had to really understand how my steps are. That's why I'm very robotic. Everyone's like, you do the same exact thing every time. Like, I have to because after 45 yards, things get a little blurry. So uh, 
it's that no look, making sure my steps are the same, understanding how my body moves. And as long as I do that every single time, it gets me more aware the ball goes exactly where I need it to go every single time. That's, uh, that's really cool to hear. As a fan of the game, you know, and Brian and I are still, you know, we're coaches and fans of the game, that sort of thing. We love training guys at all the different levels, whether it's uh, high school, college, arena, you know, guys pursuing the NFL. But, you know, John Carney has done a great job at as, as establishing himself as one of the go-to coaches out there, just with a plethora of knowledge from his 23 years in the league. What has a coach like John taught you about the game that has made you better now that you're entering your 30s, if you want to say? Well, uh, the biggest thing that I, I got from him, even watching him, even the last few years of his career when I was in college, uh, and just his knowledge, he would always explain to me every day, actually, that you have to make sure that you're constantly working on yourself, on your um, on your technique, not only your technique, but also as a person, making sure that every year you're always getting better, every day you're getting better, and, and the way I interpret the way he goes about every single day, you have to be able to be better than you were yesterday and tomorrow even better. And so having that words of wisdom from him and always making sure I work with him and watch how he how he works at this time, um, you know, it just it just helps me out and to go back to the fundamentals, to go back and kind of relook at my routine, making sure that nothing is different, nothing is over the top. And if something that doesn't work, don't stick with it, don't try it, only work with what you know that does work for you. And just being humble throughout the process. I mean, there's one thing that we all know about John Carney, one humble man, to play 23 years, you know, you would think a lot of guys would be, you know, he'd be, you know, raw, raw, showboating. That is one of the most humble individuals and beings on this planet that I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got a few uh, arena questions, only this is only because I'm a fan of the game and I don't know it that well. Mm-hmm. You know, Brian always tells me stories, but um, one is curious if you've heard rumors or stories of this. Um, as I look on the IFL website, I see a map of where all the teams are. It's every Midwest state except for Minnesota has a team. Have you heard any rumors about Minnesota getting a team? If I heard any rumors of the Minnesota team, uh, I've heard rumors through the CIF. Uh, that there might be a team there, but it, it wouldn't surprise me that the IFL would want to get, you know, expand there too, because they just announced about a month ago uh, they are putting a team in Oakland, California, wow. and I know they want to keep on, you know, expanding to the West Coast, because it wasn't until 2011, or since then, that there was about 21 teams. There was a team in Alaska, I remember playing a team in, in Alaska, and that was not a very smart move, but that's why we're not around anymore. Aspiring. <laughs> um, let's just say there's probably there's probably more fans than what I get right now. But anyway, uh, it really struck me that the, uh, the IFL is thinking that way because the Midwest is has always been great for arena teams. The, the fans are they love football in the Midwest, and uh, I would love to see a team there. That's for sure. Jeez, B, you should you should like talk with some investors and go own. To own an arena team there in Minneapolis. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, man. Wouldn't that be great? I did yeah, hear... I'm not, I'm not sure. I heard I'm a rumor... Sure a would be good there. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be so biased on who, which kicker you'd pick, probably. Oh, dude, I would want to run that. Player personnel. <laughs> uh, Ernesto, I did hear a, a rumor 
four or five years ago, I, I've told this story a few times on some past interviews. There was a guy that tried to start a Minnesota Arena League, um, and I got to go test out kicking in this hockey-like arena, um, and the, the league never happened. But I had heard rumors that the Timberwolves owner, Mr. Taylor, said that there could be an arena team, but somebody had to put down half the investment or something like that. So I don't know if that offer is still on the table, but, I mean, looking at the IFL map, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois, I mean, every state in that Midwest has a team except for Minnesota. So I think they'd be well supported if uh, if they had a team. Yeah, I think they would be too. I mean, uh, it's the thing is, it's... it's I think what's tougher now is that, you know, back five years ago, a lot of guys who had a little bit of chunk of change were, you know, put up a team to understand how, you know, the intricacies of owning a, or running a franchise, whereas now the leagues are kind of like, you know what, if you're going to own a team now, you got to make sure you have everything in order, everything put down in order to get things going, because it wasn't like back when, you know, in 2013, I mean, Jackson knows that he, the Louisiana team I was part of was, was chaos. Chaos, and that's just being nice. Um, so I think that as long as they're able to get good investors, a good owner who's uh, willing to, you know, put down a lot of money, uh, be a partial owner of the team or the of the arena, that always works out great. Yeah. So I got a so, qu- Ernesto, I got a question here. Um, you know, it's times have changed and, and pay scales have changed. You know, I figured he'd be um, transparent about this, but obviously, whatever you want to disclose is fine. But I mean, I'll even talk from my experiences, so just to put it out there, I mean, when when I was playing in the AF2, which was a, we had, I think, 30 teams in the Arena 2 League, um, that was the feeder system to the Arena 1 League before their Arena 1 League folded and went bankrupt, and then they, then they Arena 2 League took it over. I mean, we were making 250 a week, and we had free housing and free food for essentially five to six months a year, and then... Um, uh, when I went to the Arena 1 uh, was when the Arena 2 League took over. And so I didn't get to experience the, the high pay scale that Mark Lewis got to experience, you know, for half of his career where guys were making anywhere from 35 to 60K as kickers in a six-month period with the free housing, free food on a, on a higher level. You know, so then as the Arena 1 started getting a little bit better there, you know, at the highest I think I had gotten paid was around $800, you know, which, I, you know, you know, late 20s, early 30s for a couple of those games, you know, I was feeling pretty good. And then IFL, I think I got paid 150 and the PIFL, I think, was 150 or 200 I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, now you have the NAL that it seems like it's established itself. You have the AAL, um, you have the IFL, you have the AFL which is the top dog, and then I think like the CIF and, and some other, and even the China China League, which is trying to come back. Are you able to, do, do you know what everyone is getting paid now or, or around any kind of numbers that the guys are getting paid in all these leagues these days? Well, I can't really speak for the a- NAL, but as far as like uh, the IFL, the IFL has done a little bit things differently now as far as uh, honoring like the veteran rule. So if you're an established veteran, I mean, you get a little bit more of a pay. Also, it depends on the franchise that you're part of. Um, but the I think the starting pay in the IFL now, I believe, is at 300. Um, from what I've heard from rookies on on our team, mm-hmm. and obviously with housing and all that stuff. So it, it all depends 
on how many years you've played, especially in the IFL and the CIF, and what are owners willing to pay. Now, you have to be able to be careful with that because I know there's rules between the leagues and, and team owners and paying under the table. As far as the AFL, they're, you know, they passed the new CBA, and they're paying a lot more now than when we were playing, when I was playing in 15 and 16, which is about $800 and $900. I believe now they're also, you know, the new CBA with the veteran rule, I think I'd be making close to almost three, three K if that was the case, if I was going up there and obviously with housing, everything else done. Um, but these other leagues, you know, who knows what they're getting paid. I'm sure that's kind of like the average $300 and then you get the little incentives if your team actually puts that in, um, into your contract at the end of the year. Nice. Uh, fun, fun little fact here. I don't, I don't know if you saw on social media recently, but do you remember Dan Bowen, the guy that was like kind of like a beginner that, that came out there and yes. kicked with us? So he, he's awesome. thirty. Bomb, yeah, yeah, he's thirty-four, and I'm I'm actually turning thirty-four. Um, so you know I'm same age as him, but he he had never played in a football game till recently. That was his first game playing in the in the AAL, which I think they get around two hundred a week, and so um, that was pretty exciting. He was st- he was stoked to meet you and, and all the guys, you know. Oh, yeah, it was awesome to see him uh, post a couple kicks, and uh, we got to let him know not to post the negative kicks, but, <laughs> but uh, I mean. <laughs> he's, cool with, he's cool with posting the bad kicks, he, but, you know, he went 5-5 five for, five for his first game, so I told him, hey, man, I said, the, the last guy went 2 for 9, so, you know, I think you know, as long as you go 3 for 9, like, your, your yeah. teammates are going to think you're a little better, so, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you yeah. don't have to put too much pressure on yourself, dude. That's what I told him. I was like, last guy went two for nine, so just go three for nine or better, and you'll be all right. And then he, uh, he ended up going five for five, so he, he was pretty stoked about that. Uh, yeah, it was really exciting to see. I think all of us that are in the arena games, and we all saw that, and we all followed, and I was like, that's exciting. You know, I was, I was traveling back from Tucson. I was last game, and I saw that. I was like, that's awesome, because uh, just talking with him, you know, I was really excited. And we can always appreciate guys who want to give it a shot in that league, and we know it's not as not as easy not as easy so you know i tipped my hat off to him i was able to give him my my old helmet so because i know he wanted to work with the helmet mm-hmm. so i was like yeah man go ahead and let's you know just nice and easy as uh, i think i told him my cues uh, i have a couple cues when i line up you know to head down fall through just like an extra point and then right before i'm walking out to the field i'm always saying just strike it well just strike it well nice i got two questions for you being a fan of the game um We've interviewed a lot of Canadian CFL team or you know uh, kickers, and in we had a string of AAF guys. So we've heard a lot of some of the rules that they have. What is what are the rules on movement for a kicker or just an athlete between the different arena leagues? I know earlier in the interview we talked about you potentially moving to the AFL. Do you have to? Uh, what what are the rules on changing leagues in season or after season? Well, for the indoor leagues, um, you can't make the lateral movement. So after four games, you can't make the movement, let's say, from the IFL to the CIF or to the NAL. You can, before the first four games you play, you can make a lateral movement. As far as going to this AF, I mean, to the AFL or to this um, CFL or the NFL, um, it's perfectly just fine. It's, it's something that uh, it's not against the rule book. They want you to go up, uh, not only just because... It's for your career, but it also makes them look a lot better for those leagues. But the only rule that I do know is that you cannot make a lateral move um, 
before or after four games you play with a certain franchise. Okay. Nice. And then how does how do the playoffs work in the IFL? Do all ten teams make the playoffs, or do does a certain percentage of them make it? I believe only six teams in the IFL make it. So, um, yeah, I believe it's only six teams that go into the playoff. If not, I could be wrong. I haven't really looked that far, given our franchises, uh, <laughs> our season so far. So I'm not like, yeah, playoffs kind of non-existent for us. But it could be that it could be just four teams. I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah. Nice. So we, we always like to ask every um, kicker, punter, long snapper, uh, even, even we've had a couple coaches on this podcast now for about a year and a half. We asked them this, uh, this is like our token question. It'd be interesting to see uh, your answers compared to Mark Lewis and, and Adrian's answers. And we, we've even told both those guys in, in any of the leagues. Now, granted, Mark's been in the AFL the whole time. Um, but, you know, Adrian's been in a couple of the other leagues like you and I have. What are your top five stadiums ever in any of the leagues in your career that you've played in? Oh, I have to think about that. I would say the number one I've always enjoyed playing at was the Spokane one, when they were in the Spokane shop. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of my favorites, just because uh, the, the team, no, the fans, I should say, it was such a small arena mm-hmm. that the fans were on top of you. You could hear everything. And they were you know, they were just like the Arizona fans. They knew everything about you, including you. Were probably they probably knew your social security number, for, for Christ's sake. So uh, they were very creative, and that's one of my favorite arenas. I love to play in. Um, let's see, another one I like. Always like the Arizona Rattlers. Great arena to kick in. Uh, good history there. It's probably the arena I've played at the most in my career. So those fans know me all too well. Um. Another good. Re- I've always loved the Wichita uh, Arena, the new arena they have, which is called the Interest Bank Arena in downtown Wichita. Let's see. Another big fan of the Philadelphia Soul. <laughs> I definitely don't like that arena at all. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what's another good one I don't like is the Omaha Beef, and that was the old Omaha Beef. In the they're in the CIF now, but this one they're in the IFL, the old arena they had. And yeah, it's one of the reasons why we're a visor is that if you were the opposing kicker, there was this projector behind the goalpost on each side, and it was uh, to show videos, whatever, of the game. And then suddenly when the kicker was going to attempt an extra point or a field goal, they would raise it up and there'd be a strobe light <laughs> just in your face. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad for the invention of uh, tinted visors because uh, it doesn't make effect at all. So yeah. <laughs> it's one of my least favorite there. Um, another good arena was, um, I would have to say, the Jacksonville Sharks is another great arena to kick in. Uh, good atmosphere. Um, uh, another one that I do not like would have to be where the Blackjacks are playing now in Atlantic City. Uh, we played there against the Soul in 2015, and the only thing about that arena it's a very old arena, but on one side of the end zone, there's like about another extra 100 yards of that arena. So if the perception of kicking off that way, you might as well look like you're kicking off 100 yards. Wow. So one of those, you have to like really wind up. So t- hey, let's talk about that real quick, Ernesto. So it's interesting because with the Sabercats, one way 
the there was the stands were right behind the goalpost, and the other way there was like a ten or twelve yard gap. And mm-hmm. I always struggled with that in college when I was kicking towards something that it seemed like there was no closed end. It seemed farther away, you know, and that's the whole perception thing, the visual perception and whatever happens subconsciously in the brain. You know, like how do you overcome something like that, you know, to make sure you're hitting the same ball and getting the distance and whatnot? Well, um, from the experience that I had at, at that Atlantic City one, uh, the one thing that I could say that really helped me out, especially in my warm-ups, because uh, at the time I was playing against uh, another great uh, kicker, Tommy Freeber, um, and, and we were both, you know, we're both in that end zone, we're both kicking off, and he looks at me, I look at him, and he's like, does it look farther than you? And I'm like, this looks pretty damn far. And um, we both were just like, you know what, let's not try to crank it, because every time we tried to, uh, you know, speed up our tempo to the ball, we kept coming up short. Great high ball, but it would come up short. So we started uh, just saying, let's just punch at the ball. Let's punch at the ball. Nothing really changes in our tempo and let our core work and our strength uh, training do its work. So that's basically what we what helped us out in that because uh, it's one of those things where, like, if we were kicking off that way, I didn't necessarily look at the goalpost or the bar ball. What I was basically doing was just, like, you know what, focusing on my technique and making sure I punched that towards that direction, and everything just worked out just fine. So I, what I would tell people is just don't let the perception just – you know, deter you from um, doing what you already do great, but just making sure that everything is fundamentally sound is still the same and just, you know, bang away. I mean, just punch up the ball and let it go through. Yeah, so Adrian mentioned tempo too, so it's so awesome hearing mm-hmm. two veteran status kickers and, and kicking on nine-foot push talking about tempo. I, just, I love it. Nice work. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, tempo is everything when it comes to the kicking game, and that's something that you learn. Yeah, when you go to these combines and all of these workouts, you know, the difference between guys missing uh, to the right or to the left, you know, we all think it's at the point of contact. And we uh, one thing that John Carney teaches us is all about your tempo. So, you know, the tempo to the ball, you know, it's a difference between you making that solid strike that you're consistently good at doing or just missing it. Well, Ernesto, I've thoroughly enjoyed this interview you know, and I've, I say it about every interview, but they're all unique and different. So uh, I learned a lot on this one. So I appreciate you having Jan on the podcast. This has been great. Thanks for being on, Vanessa, man. It's always a pleasure. Of course, talking yeah. To you, bro. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure meeting you guys and seeing you again, Jackson. You know, it's quite an honor just to be on the podcast to be able to, you know, just talk arena football with you guys. Yeah. Sure. Can't wait to see where you end up here soon. Hopefully. Oh. <laughs> all right, man. We'll all see right. you soon. Later. All right, sounds good. Take care. Yep, later. Ernesto Lacayo, Sombrero Nation. He's the man. Such a good dude. He had such a pure ball. What did you think of the interview so far, Chris? I loved it. I loved it. Uh, I'm always a, you know, I love doing the interviews. Always a fan of the game. You can always keep learning. Uh, Learned a lot about just arena football in general. Uh, It was cool. It was cool, you know, I mean, just, you know, the IFL, you always see that stuff on social media and was uh, thoroughly in- intrigued by what he can do and, you know, he's kind of, uh, he's got that arena thing on lockdown and then he's he's got the, you know, the, the NFL is a, an option too that he's been working, he, he deserves an opportunity because when we saw him kick in person, 
He was just piping it right down the middle every single time. He he needs that opportunity spot every time. Yep. I mean, so consistent. Uh, you know, it's funny. He, I think he's one of the first ones that he answered a few of his favorite, and then he told us about seven of his not so favorite arenas. Yeah, that was, that was classic. <laughs> that was awesome. I was just gonna say that. I mean, can you imagine if in our interviews we ask people about their maybe three least favorite stadiums they've ever played in? Yeah. That that would be crazy. That'd be kind of fun. Maybe we'll start a new trend. Maybe Ernesto. You know, it's just, uh, he's an innovator, you know? Yeah, so yeah, that was he's cool. He's actually playing arena football with a broken hand right now, and he's leading the, the IFL in tackles for kickers, so it's pretty impressive. But thanks, guys, so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, Chris has a couple more things to, to ask for you. Well, again, guys, thanks for the continued support. Um, we've had a lot of people actually reach out, asking us questions about kicking and things like that. Um, you know, if you're not able to make it to some of the camps that we run, uh, Brian and I offer virtual lessons, which is probably two of the most comprehensive and thorough virtual lesson opportunities that are out there in the market. So if you do want to get a little bit of feedback on your, your abilities, please contact us, shoot us an email or a DM. Uh, we'd be happy to help you and talk about options to help you get better. Um, and recently, guys, we started a, a Patreon account. You know, Brian and I do this for free. We do it for the love of the game. Um, if you're interested in supporting what we do, we have a link in the bio and in the notes below, uh, the interview podcast. And if you're interested in supporting what we do, we would gladly appreciate it. So, um, but again, the biggest thing that we love the most is your support, your feedback and listening to the, the episode. So thank you very much. Thanks guys so much for supporting us. Yep. Take care. Welcome to the Fort Down Experience Podcast. We are an international podcast devoted to discussing special teams topics and interviewing some of the biggest special teams names in the NFL and beyond. Established in 2017, we have enjoyed giving back to the special teams community by discussing current events, offering free tips, and interviewing and sharing the journey of professional specialists and coaches in the football world. We offer a free podcast to you all done in our own time. It is our goal and hope that you become a better specialist because of or find enjoyment in our content. If our program is benefiting you and you're looking for a way to support what we do, please consider becoming a patron and support us. Thank you, and we hope to continue helping you and bring you something enjoyable to listen to. 4DE Nation. Hey, what's up, 4DE Nation? This podcast has been brought to you by NKR, the National Kicking Rankings Platform. It's the new and innovative national evaluation and rankings platform for kickers, punters, and snappers. Launched in 2017, this camp offers you a great balance of athletic evaluation and instruction. You'll get honest feedback and rankings, exposure to college coaches, but this camp is brought to you by credible coaches with experience that will deliver a high-quality and detailed instruction to you. NKR offers an active social media platform that will give you proper exposure to all the collegiate outlets. This camp was developed by Brian Jackson, Chris Hughesby, and Tom Feely using a proven camp format from the last seven to eight years that specialists have come to love. Many of the specialists have received opportunities to play at all collegiate levels, including Power 5 conferences. If you'd like to attend an upcoming camp this offseason, visit www.nationalkickingrankings.com and check out the camps page. Or follow us on social media on Twitter at NKR underscore camps. That's NKR underscore camps or on Instagram at National Kicking Rankings to learn more about us and follow our growth.
Come see what all the hype is all about and check out nationalkickingrankings.com. Thank you for listening to the 4th Down Experience. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 4th Down Experience.